The North Star is a special star. It does not rise or set and remains in the same spot above the northern horizon, marking due north. It's been a steady guiding star to navigators around the world for thousands of years. The North Star is also known as Polaris and Pole Star. Did you know the ancient Indians had a name for the star? They called it Dhruvathara, the Dhruva star. Dhruva means immovable or unshakable. The star was named as such after a boy named Dhruva, who, like the star, was fixed and unshakable in his devotion to his goal. And this is the story of Dhruva. Namaste, hello and welcome. I'm your storyteller Nivi and you're listening to Stories of India Retold. For humankind, stories were and remain the most extraordinary tool available to influence and connect with each other. Ottersuman Kid said, Stories have to be told or they die, and when they die, we can't remember who we are or why we're here. The stories of India have been passed down generations, some for thousands of years. They provide a window into who we are as a people. Join me in a retelling of these popular stories in a fun, simplified and less confusing way. Here you may find stories about men and gods, mortals and immortals, flying chariots, otherworldly shape-shifting dragon-like serpents or just ordinary people achieving extraordinary feats. This story is about a young prince named Dhruva and is told in both Vishnu and Bhagavata Purana. My retelling is based on the Vishnu Purana, translated by Horace Heyman Wilson. It is available on public domain. There are other versions of the same story, and depending on the version you are reading, there are slight differences. I will point out some of them as we go. I happen to like this version the best, so here we go. Dhruva belonged to a very illustrious family. He was the son of King Uttanapada and Queen Suniti. His grandfather on his father's side was Swayambhuva Manu, who was a powerful, divine king and was known as the first son of Brahma. Dhruva was a very bright five-year-old boy and he was doted upon by his mother. Now, Dhruva had a complicated relationship with his father because King Uttanapada was enamoured with his second wife Suruchi and Suruchi didn't like it if the king interacted with his firstborn. You see, Suruchi had a plan. She had a son named Uttama and she wanted Uttama to be the heir to the throne after his father. One day, Dhruva saw his father and his half-brother Uttama in the throne room. The king was seated on the throne and was playing with Uttama, who was seated on his lap. Like any other five-year-old boy, Dhruva wanted to join them. So he asked his father if he too could sit on his lap. King Uttanapada knew that Suruchi was watching them, and because he did not want to cause her upset, he refused his son's request. 
Understandably, Dhruva is hurt and disappointed. But to make matters worse, Suruchi came to him and she berated him for even having the expectation of being treated in the same way as Uttama. She accused him of having higher aspirations for himself and told him that since he wasn't born as her son, he had no right to the throne his father sat on. You know, I can't decide who is worse here, the king or Suruchi. Anyways, so Dhruva was angry and distressed. He ran to his mother and told her what happened. Queen Sunuti was heartbroken when she heard that her son was being treated so unfairly by Suruchi and also that her husband did nothing to defend Dhruva. But she was also a very gentle-mannered lady. So she explained to Dhruva that if it wasn't in his fate to assume the throne after his father, then there was nothing anyone could do about it. She told him that there was no point in harboring anger and disappointment because it would only make him sad. So instead, she urged him to be patient and to have faith. She told him to be content with what he had. Now, I thought that was pretty good advice, but Dhruva didn't agree. Dhruva wasn't entirely consoled by his mother's kind words. He told her that while he had no aspirations to the throne, he had to do something. He was being slighted by his family, and he felt he needed to do something to make things right. He told his mother that he wanted to achieve a degree of greatness that his father hadn't even thought possible, and he would do that on his own merit, through his efforts and hard work. So Dhruva made up his mind. He decided that the best way for him to focus on achieving what he wanted was to lead an ascetic's life. An ascetic's life would require him to leave the comforts of life and live a simple, often hard life. And that's what Dhruva did. He left all of the comforts of the palace and his family behind and lived an ascetic's life. He started to live in the forest and while there, he met with the Saptarishis or the seven rishis who were learned men revered for their great wisdom. Dhruva told them his story and explained to them the reasons why he was in the forest. He asked them to help him achieve greatness. At first, the Munis were hesitant. They worried about Dhruva. They felt that, in spite of being young and leading an unimaginably privileged life as a prince, Dhruva was restless and lacked contentment. And the wise men felt that it was cause for concern. But little Dhruva was nothing but persuasive and he convinced them to help him. Dhruva's education began immediately. Each one of the seven rishis took him under their wing and taught him what he needed to know. Under the rishis' tutelage, Dhruva learned to meditate. The rishis revealed to him that a belief in Vishnu, who was both the creator and protector of the world, was essential to achieve what he wished. They taught Dhruva to meditate using Vishnu as his focus and inspiration. 
Let me just take a minute here to point out a couple of differences in the versions of the story. In some versions, it says that Suruchi told Dhruva to go to Narayana, that is Vishnu, to make Dhruva be born as her son, since that was the only way his father would favor him and he could succeed to the throne. And that is the reason he decided to seek Vishnu. Another difference we see is that some versions mention that while in the forest, Dhruva met sage Narada and it was sage Narada who helped him and taught him about Vishnu and meditation. Dhruva was a quick learner and he began his meditation in earnest in a place called Madhuvana, which is situated on the banks of the river Yamuna. The power and intensity of Dhruva's meditation was said to be such that he eventually stopped consuming food or water and finally even air. He was completely absorbed in Vishnu. Now remember, Vishnu is mighty. He is both the creator and the protector after all. So the analogy used here is that when thoughts of the mighty Vishnu filled Dhruva's mind and body, the earth could not sustain the weight of such a change, resulting in the disturbance of balance of life on earth. There are versions of the story which says that when Dhruva essentially stopped breathing, the earth lost all the air. People couldn't breathe and the plants died. People were choking. This caused panic in both people on earth and the gods living in the heavens. The people looked to the gods for help. The gods tried different ways to disrupt Dhruva's concentration and focus and they did this multiple times. One of the things mentioned in the story was that the gods projected hallucinations into Dhruva's conscience while he was in the middle of his meditation and in this hallucination, his weeping mother pleaded with him to stop his life as an ascetic and come back to her. But even that didn't stop Dhruva. Various schemes and multiple tries later, the gods finally gave up and they went to Vishnu himself. They pleaded with him to take action and stop Dhruva to protect both worlds from the havoc his intense meditation was causing. Vishnu assured the gods that he would take care of things. He told them, go back, I'll take care of things. Vishnu went to earth and appeared in front of Dhruva. Dhruva was still absorbed in his thoughts of Vishnu and Vishnu had to sort of nudge Dhruva out of his meditation. When Dhruva finally opened his eyes, he saw Vishnu standing right in front of him. He was ecstatic. Vishnu urged Dhruva to stop his meditation and praised him for the devotion, dedication and single-minded determination he had applied to attain what he had set to achieve. Vishnu then told Dhruva, Ask me for the boon you wish to receive. Now, a boon from Vishnu was what Dhruva wanted in the beginning. That is the reason he started the meditation. But Dhruva told Vishnu that every wish he had was fulfilled because he now realized that Vishnu was the most important thing in the world because he was both the creator and protector of everything we see, feel and perceive. Vishnu was immensely pleased with Dhruva's understanding of the world and his humble words. 
To show his appreciation, Vishnu blessed Dhruva and gave him the boon of a gratifying life as a successful and well-loved king during his time on earth. And he also bestowed upon Dhruva the most exalted position as a star in the celestial world after his time on earth was over. Because Dhruva's devotion upon Vishnu remained immovable, he became a much beloved son and king, and he became the star that remained fixed, that shone brightly in the night skies, guiding people who would otherwise be lost without his steady direction. And that was the story of Dhruva. It's time for Mewi's Pod Notes. End notes for the podcast episode, where I discuss more about the story to help provide more context. So, let's continue. I hope you like the story. The way I see it, the story of Dhruva is a story of determination and grit that is told from the point of view of a young child. It is a story that acknowledges that even young people have the potential for greatness. It encourages to instill values of devotion and self-discipline in whatever a child may choose to pursue. It wasn't uncommon in that day and age for kings and sometimes princes to take up the life of an ascetic. There are many instances when kings in their later lives voluntarily retire from royal life and choose to live the rest of their lives in a forest as an ascetic. Young princes also did this when they experienced an existential crisis. Siddhartha, better known as Gautama Buddha, also left the palace for the forest and lived as an ascetic when he wanted to focus on figuring out the meaning of life. I think Dhruva's case is a little unusual because of how young he was. But it wasn't entirely uncommon. Couple of points about the North Star. Strictly speaking, the North Star isn't immovable. It actually lies close to one degree off of the celestial pole. So it makes very small circles. Also, because of the motion of the Earth, the North Star hasn't been the only North Star and it won't remain as such either. Thousands of years ago, a star called Tuban was the North Star. And thousands of years from now, Vega will be a North Star. I'm not sure what it means for the story. Regardless, the story of Dhruva who conquered the love of the creator and protector through his devotion and dedication has lived for thousands of years and will probably survive thousands more. That was today's episode. You can find the resources used for the episode on the blog storiesofindiaretold.com. You can also read the stories on the blog. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube and you can find the links on the blog website. The Stories of India Retold podcast is available on most podcast apps and you can find the apps listed in the podcast website. Links to the blog and the podcast websites are listed in the episode description. Comments, likes, subscriptions are always appreciated. 
I appreciate you listening and hope to see you here again next time. Dhanyavada. Thank you.